Good morning. Welcome to Psachim Daf Chav, page 20. As we finish off our last daf of the parak and also the last daf of this discussion of Reb Chaninus Kanakalhanim, this very long seven day sugya dealing with the laws of purity and impurity. In the last daf, we mentioned the idea of let's say you shech your carbon, you're in the base Hamigdash, you shech your carbon and you discover a needle next to the carcass, next to the flesh. You know, the animal had swallowed a needle and it's right up against it. So we said, that the needle, we have to assume, came into contact with some tame source. It is tame, and therefore we make the meat actually tame. So the Gemara asks, how did this basar, how did this meat ever become hukshur v'kavu tumah? How did it ever become susceptible to tumah? The rule is that when you're dealing with foods, ochlin, chiyutan, you need actually to become wet with some of one of the liquids. So how to do it? So the Gemara says, if you want to say it became wet by the blood of the shechita itself, when you slaughter it and the blood spurted out, it touched part of the animal. And maybe that would be the thing. So the Gemara says that only works when it comes to chulin, to non-sacred um, shechita. Because since the Pasuk says, that that blood you have to spill on the ground, just like water, it's compared to water. And just like water is one of the liquids that can be machshir, that could make something susceptible to tumma. So too can that blood. But the blood of a carbon, which really you're supposed to <clears throat> gather in a pail, in a bucket, in a clay shar, a holy bucket, and it's supposed to sprinkle it on the altar, that blood is not cannot be machshir cannot make the um, animal meat ready for to, to become Tameh. So the Gemara answer is, you know, it's because of what's called Chibas uh, Kodesh, which means the very fact that the animal has, the very fact that the animal uh, is a carbon, the, the carbon aspect of itself, the Kodesh, the holy aspect of itself, makes it Roy Lekabotumma, susceptible to tummy even without any liquid. The Gemara says, yeah, that works maybe to make it tummy because it could then be matame other things, and the implication is that it could even matame other things. So the Gemara says, you know what? This was an animal that you brought from home to the temple to sacrifice, and on the way there, you crossed through a river, and the animal got wet from that water, and then afterwards, when the animal came out and you shechted it, even after the shechita, when it was dead, when it was now raw meat, essentially, it was still in contact with that liquid, that water that was on top of it, and that's why it's raw the kabotoma. But the Gemara continues and says that the Bryce had said that if, let's say, the needle is found in the middle of the dung, uh, of the excrement, I'm sorry, of the animal, then the Allah is, it's not a problem because there's a buffer of the excrement between it and the meat. But the Gemara says, why can't the excrement itself become tame and then be metame the meat? So the Gemara answers at the end, it says, because it's mashka saruach, that since the dung, the excrement is disgusting, it's putrid, therefore it does not have the ability, it's not subject to the rules of Toma. This is a rule that we saw before, and this is kind of being repeating it. By the way, there are a lot of halachos in this last staff that are kind of chazara, review of what we've been learning all along. All right, anyways, the Gemara goes along, uh, continues, and has another example. Let's say you have a sheretz, a dead creepy crawly that's found in your oven. You open up your oven, you're baking bread, and all of a sudden there's a dead rat in there. So the halach is, obviously the oven now is a rishon batoma. And what about the bread, which is on the oven? It's maybe in the same airspace as the rat, but the bread, since it's touching the oven, will become a shenu batoma. So the Gemara says, why is the bread only a shenu batoma? Why don't we say that since we have a rule that the rat, which is in the airspace of the earthenware oven, even if it's not touching the wall, it permeates through the whole thing. So then let's say that the toma went directly from the rat to the bread, and the Gemara basically says we don't actually uh, uh, we don't actually view it that way um, because if you would view it that way, then any vessel which would be there would be tummy, and it's only food. It must be a special property of uh, earthenware that if, the, if something's in its airspace, it makes a tummy. But then if the bread would be in the oven, it would only become a shani, a second degree tumma. The Gemara goes on to make contradictions between different things that we've learned about whether or not um, you could 
um, whether or not you can burn, be a dime, you can actually with your hands be metame, things that are definitely tame. Let's say you have truma of chametz, which you have to burn before Pesach, and it's truma which is tahora, and you have truma which is definitely not, uh, then you certainly can't bring them together. You have to have two different uh, piles. The question is, what if you have truma, which is chametz, which is tzuya, which we're not sure about it, and we seem to have different opinions about whether or not you're allowed to burn that together, and we have questions, and one of the basic answers that's given is because another case where we seem to allow you to be a dayim with your own hands to be metamic something, in the case of the wine press where you have the upper one and the lower one, and if you catch the falling wine from the upper one in a tummy vessel to save all your month's worth of work, your lower wine, you're being metamic, be a dayim, the Gemara says, you know what, that's because it's a hefzim merubah, it's a great loss. So the rabbis allowed you to do it for a hefzim merubah, but not for a hefzim muah. So the Gemara uh, said, oh, what about the wood? If you have to have two different pyres, two different bonfires, that's only hefzimuah. And the Gemara says in this context that there's a distinction between wine and oil, because wine, if the wine all becomes mixed together with truma and it can't be consumed anymore, that's a great loss. But if it's shemin, if it's oil that just becomes tame, it's not that big of a loss, because even though you can't dip your bread in it and use it to make your latkes on Hanukkah, but what you could do with that oil is you could, of course, use it for, uh, for fuel. Finally, under the daf, there's an interesting discussion between Shammai and Hillel right, when we introduce this idea of the rabbis don't want you to hang around different kinds of things that are, 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 are invalid because you might come to eat it. Don't say, oh, I'm going to sprinkle it around the house. I'm going to use it for fuel. Anyway, Shammai says, if you have this, you've got to get rid of it right away. And Hillel says, you know, you can wait. You can, you can slowly over the course of a week, you can spill out the wine one day at a time in order for it to create a nice aroma in the house. This concludes daf chof. Uh, See you uh, after Shabbos for a review of DAF 21.